All I'm gonna do is miss Josh when I'm gone. Oh, yeah. I'll miss me when you're gone. I messed up the words. Classic. From social media sensation to one of South Africa's fastest rising musical talents, my next guest has captivated the world with his voice seemingly overnight. This chat was personally one of the most insightful discussions I've had about the music industry and what it takes to become successful at such a young age. During this episode, we talked about a bunch of stuff, but one of the things that was really interesting to me was how much Spotify actually pays artists and the story behind the song that put today's guest on the map. After this, you should have a new appreciation for what it takes to follow your dreams in a world full of unknowns. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce Will Lindley. What's up everyone and welcome to the Wide Awake Podcast. My name is Joshua Rubin and I'm your host. Today, my guest is Will Lindley, also known as Big Willie. He is one of South Africa's most, <laughs> he's one of South Africa's <laughs> rising artists with global hits like Miss Me When You're Gone and Last Call gaining millions of streams worldwide. Welcome to the studio. Thank you so much for having me, Josh. This you is seem, unbelievable. You seem to react a little bit weirdly when I said Big Willie there. Yeah, that was an interesting one. I haven't quite heard that one used, you know, <laughs> on, a, on, on a, pro, a platform like this, but I'll take it, you know. <laughs> Why do people call you that? Mm, mm, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we just keep it to redhead or ginger, um, <laughs> you know, and, and, then, and then we could just keep it at that. <laughs> so, I mean, last night when I was doing some research on you and I, I even asked some people to send me in some questions. One thing that kept coming up was this person called Gracie. Yeah. Because I'm like kind of a new fan of yes, yours, you know, a yes, new adopter. Yes. Uh, so I'm welcome. out of the loop. Yes. Please, can you tell me who Gracie is? Well, Gracie, I'm still trying to figure out who Gracie is, but uh, Gracie is the next song that I'm releasing. Um, I don't know when the podcast is going to come out, but it's coming out. Uh, the song's coming out uh, August 4th, which is really yeah, exciting. The podcast will be out by then. Okay, gorgeous. Um, but yeah, Gracie is, is, the, is the next song I'm releasing. And I basically wrote it about a year ago. Um, and I've, I've always been like, I'm kind of a, a hopeless romantic at heart and always wondering about the person that I'm going to end up with one day, that type of thing. It's very cringe, but welcome to my headspace. Um, and my brother had just like recently got married and I was sitting in a session with two guys, Johnny and Adam, and we were just chatting a little bit. And um, I usually bring a bunch of ideas into a session and usually go like, oh, what if we wrote a song about this or wrote a song about this? And none of those ideas kind of hit home with anyone. Um, and then we kind of just got to chatting and we spoke about my brother getting married and Johnny had just got engaged. And, um, and we, I just was speaking about like, I, I wonder who the person is that I'm going to end up with one day. And like, are they living on the other side of the world or just down the street or, you know, how will I meet them? What do they look like? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I've always been like obsessed is a weird word, but like just always been wondering about this person. Um, it's like the weirdest thing, but, um, we decided to write a song about that and, we wrote a song and it's called Gracie and um, it's a really like fun song and a, and a sweet song. And I feel like it's like a really personal song to me and it feels really um, honest and real and exciting. But um, right now I'm, I'm on my mission to find Gracie and, you know, we'll see, we'll see when, when she pops up whenever, but, uh, but yeah, that, 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 that's, I guess why, why people are asking all the time. 
That's very sweet. Um, <laughs> and what, what happens if you meet someone and their name isn't Gracie? Yo. But they're the right person. Oh, dude, you know, <laughs> then we change the, the name of the song. We go back, we record everything, release it again. Like Taylor you know, Swift. Yeah, no, exactly. I'll just do Will's versions. Will's versions. It'll be a great day. That's so funny, <laughs> eh? It is quite a weird thing being born and you go through this journey and you become the person you are. Um, and there's someone else that you might or might not meet in the future that's also yeah. going through a journey and becoming yeah. the person they are. Yeah. And somehow through so many different coincidences yeah. and things going wrong and things going right, you meet up and you form a relationship and build a life together. I think it is such an amazing thing. Yo, imagine. And imagine. the scariest thing about it is you don't know. Dude, you don't if know. If that person will come into your life or not. Sure, we hope. Yeah. Please, crazy, <laughs> if you're out there, <laughs> give me a call, please. No, uh, and it, me if you have a sister, please. <laughs> if you have a friend, call Josh. Yeah. Crazy, call mom. me, please. <laughs> What's that song? It's not Gracie's mom. That's Stacey's mom. Stacey's mom. Close enough, though. Don't yeah, stress. Yeah, yeah. Gracie's yeah. sister. Gracie. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I want to know a little bit about you, right? Because. Yeah. I was looking through all your interviews online last night and all the things that you've done. Mm. Um, and I, I know with especially like shows on TV and radio interviews, yeah. sometimes they're not super personal and you kind of feel pressured to yeah. give a quick answer because yeah. you don't want to keep everyone waiting, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if you could think back to your childhood and the things that have really impacted you and your life and made you the person you are today. Mm. What do you think are like the most important things that have happened to you that have turned you into this person that you are today? Great question. Um, I think With a hard answer. Yeah, <laughs> no, I, I, I guess I, I'm taking my time just cause I want to answer it mm. right. And, and, and honestly, I think, you know, a, a big thing is being in like a really supportive family. You know, um, I like my, my parents always urged us to do what we loved, you know, whether it was playing a musical instrument or playing sports or being a creative of some sort or diving into academics, whatever it was, like do your thing and we will support you and back you until like the end, you know. Um, and I think like that coming from a space like that made me realize that like anything's possible. Just do anything. Just try. You know, it doesn't hurt to try. Um, but it also gave a sense of freedom in like oneself. Um, realizing that like whatever your passion is, whatever your desire is, whatever you believe is like one of the most important things, that is so important. And that is value, you know. And I think the biggest thing that my parents, you know, kind of instilled in us boys um, was just that like everything we felt and 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 wanted and believed in and like everything had value and everything was valid um and and i think that that then is reflected in the way that us boys just go about life and i say boys it's just i'm i'm the youngest of four boys but the way that we go about life and the way that we chase the things that we want i think for me doing music and doing something that's like very different to what all my friends are doing um was scary, but I knew that it had value because my parents had kind of like backed that in me since I was a kid. Were you always gifted musically and were you always performing as a kid? Um, when did it start? Yeah, I, I mean, I was always performing and, and my brothers and I all did music as kids growing up, you know. Um, 
but I, I wouldn't say gifted at all. I still wouldn't say gifted. <laughs> I, I think it, it just was something that I loved. Like my dad would come home from work and my brothers and I would put on like little concerts for him, you know, and we like dancing to the Macarena or whatever. And my dad's sitting on the couch going like, what am I watching right mm. now? You know, like, but I think it was something, I, I am the youngest. And as the youngest, I think like for me, like I, I, I always loved being, the center of attention and like, hey guys, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. Cause there was so much going on around the house, you know? Um, and so I think I always love to entertain and always love to like, say like, oh guys, I've got this thing that I'm doing. Okay, come watch that. Cool. Uh, do, do a stupid dance that like, I haven't actually put together or planned. It just, I wanted people to watch or whatever, you know? But I loved music and loved being in a cultural space and was always in choirs or singing in acapella groups or I played in orchestras up until like I was 15 and then I stopped the violin because I hated it. But, you know, <laughs> it was, it was, I was always pushing into creative spaces because it was where I was happiest. You know, mm. my one brother played sports and was a great water polo player and a rugby player. And that was where he was happy. You know, another brother of mine sang in choirs and orchestras as well. And another one as well in, in, in choirs and orchestras. But, you know, it, it's all about finding your happy space. And, um, my mum always says, which I think is just like the coolest quote ever. She says that the minute that you can see somebody in their happiest space or the minute that you can see like someone who's the best at what they do, you take the chance to watch it. Mm -hmm. So I think like for me, I'm certainly not the best at what I do, but I'm so happy when I'm singing or being in a creative space or performing. And I think I was like, I want to constantly see myself in that space. And so I'm going to, I'm just going to like dive deeper into that. Um, and I think it's like such a, such a special thing that, that I've held going into life and going into the world. Um, but creativity and being in a music space has always been so important to me, um, and just be nurtured. Yeah. I mean, talent can only get you so far, I think, because yeah. you have to have that passion for it. Yeah. And especially when you're watching people perform live, a lot of artists don't really translate so well to live performances. Mm. But I see you, like I've seen some of your videos of you performing and it seems like the fans can't get enough of you. <laughs> it's only because I post the good ones. You know? <laughs> They're all the bad ones. All and I'm like, flops, oh no, yeah. nobody can see that. No, no, no. So. <laughs> but um, I mean, did you think when you started that you would be able to get to this point in your career at such a young age? Uh, no. I wasn't, I wasn't anticipating even doing music. I never thought that it was possible to do music in, in, in South Africa, or at least like do it properly. Mm -hmm. Um, but then like you start, you know, then, then Matt Mole came onto the scene Matthew Mole, and, yeah. and Jeremy Loops and you know, those guys are, are, are certainly moving in the spaces that I wanted to move in. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, whoa, like Matt, Matt, Matt's from Fishhook. Like that's, that's 20 minute drive from me. Like, oh my gosh. Okay someone is doing something that I want to do. Like, that's really cool. But I suddenly started seeing people moving in, 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 in the music space that I wanted to move in. Um, and, and that was super exciting. But again, it was like, I don't know how to do this. Mm. Um, and so after high school, I, I then went to university. I went to Stellenbosch and studied a BCom international business. And I was at university for like six weeks and then COVID hit and then was back home. Um, and like suddenly I had all this free time on my hands. And so I, I dove into like writing music and writing songs. And I did a song every day for that like first heavy lockdown. And, um, you know, I constantly was just writing, 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 writing. And then got put in touch with this guy called David Bolshaw, who was a producer, young guy in South Africa. And 
we got to chatting and we got to writing a little bit. And he was like, dude, you have to get TikTok. Like everyone's on TikTok, like just get it. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I was also hesitant at dude, the start. Dude, freaking did not want to do it. Mm. But, you know, eventually got, got, the, got the app and then just studied it for a bit. And I was like, what are people doing? How do I tr try and translate my music onto a social media app? How does that work? You know? And then went into posting and posted like a couple of videos a day. And one of those videos ended up doing, doing quite well. And that was Miss Me. Um, and, and suddenly I started thinking like, oh my gosh, maybe I could, I could do this, you know? And um, it was like at the, it was the inception point of like starting music. You know, it was like at the, it was at the very beginning at the like, oh my gosh, maybe this can be a thing. And they were different managers getting involved and, and messaging me and whatever, whatever. And it was suddenly like, oh my gosh, whoa, like this is so cool. Like so-and-so is messaging me like, oh my gosh. Um, and, and then you kind of, then there's like phase two, where you kind of go like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing. What am I doing with my life? This is so weird. How do I record a song? How do I do this? How do I, and luckily I had David and Bubele, you know, David and Bubele are like the two producing guys who I do a lot of my stuff with. And they were just these really kind, sweet caring individuals who had had bad experiences in the music industry in South Africa and want to help young, young, young people coming up in the music space. And they helped me, took me under their wing and we released and, and recorded Miss Me. And, um, that kind of started the journey. And I've been really fortunate enough to kind of have people that have taken me under their wing and have protected me from like some really bad deals or some people that you shouldn't be dealing with in the music space. And, you know, I, I got in touch with the, with the good luck crew, Jules, Ben and yeah, Tim. Jules was on the podcast Dude, as well. So awesome. Just the best. And, mm. and they, they helped me build my live show. And I think if it wasn't for, for Jules and, and for Ben, um, they, I, I wouldn't be able to be sitting here today going like, I think I put on a really fun live mm. show that people really enjoy. You know, I'd be like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm, I, I don't know, this is going to end pretty soon. But, you know, I, I, I've been super fortunate to have people that have looked after me and have gone like, okay, come, like, I'm going to help you build out this live show. Mm. And now Ben just like lets me run. Now he's like, okay, now go off and do it. Like, I'm not helping you anymore. <laughs> you know, every now and then I'll phone him on stage, be like, Ben, something stopped working. Like, please help me. And he's like, okay, look at your laptop. Try this, try this, mm. try this. Um, and 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 it's it's because of the people that have kind of come into my life that I've started going like, oh my gosh, maybe I can't do this. Mm. You mentioned that there was some bad kind of faith characters that mm. try to enter. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you, did you have any really bad experiences with people trying to take advantage of you at the beginning? Well, luckily, luckily not because I had David and Bubele with me, okay. you know, so, so right so from the jump, you're okay. right from the jump. I was actually okay. And, and David, I'd met through like a friend of a friend who like knew my brother and, um, and then he was like, oh, I've got this mate of mine. He's studying finance at UCT, but he's like doing music and whatever, whatever. And when I got David's number, I was so scared to message him. I was like, oh my gosh, this is someone in the music industry. Like, this is so cool. Sent David a message. I was like, hello, Mr. Belshaw. Like, lovely to meet you. My name's Will. Like, I got your number from, from Tim. And, and he just said that you were open to, you know, chatting a little bit. And that's so kind of you. Like let me know if we can meet up whatever and he was like well what's up like <laughs> yeah and I was like oh my gosh that's so cool um, and and we just got to talking and he built we just built a really fun mm. relationship of like I was writing a lot at the time and so I would just send him a song a day basically and he was he was so sweet I'd send him something at like 1am and he'd 
I don't know why he was up at 1am, but he, 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 he was on his phone and he would listen to the song and then he'd go like, okay, you see how like your kick is sounding like this and this and mm-hmm. this, go to your EQ and do this. And I'm like, okay. Then I sit on my laptop and suddenly changing things. And the, 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 the growth in, in lockdown in my writing and in producing like changed tenfold, you know, and it was because of that relationship with David initially. And then David introduced me to Bubele, who was his producing partner or still is, um, and Bubele was studying at NYU. Um, and, um, and, and we just got to chatting and, and I think they, they just kind of took me under their wing and they had done this and are, are, are doing this with another artist, Manana, who's just like, that guy is so good. I'm waiting for the day that he just completely pops. His, uh, we, we did an album listening party for, 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 for their album that they've done with Manana and it's just beautiful. Like, it's gorgeous. It's, he's insane. So if you don't know Manana... Go check him Go out. Go check out Manana. He's <laughs> incredible. But, you know, David and Bubele had had their experience of the music industry. Everyone has an experience with the music industry. You know, there's always one or two little experiences that you're like, that wasn't very good. But um, they were so kind to take me under their wing. And there were people who were DMing me or record labels that were DMing me or, or people. And, and Bubele just like put down a list of people. He was like, don't interact with these people, these people, these people, because it can be, it, it might not come out in the way that you would love it to come out. And it was just like, it was just a matter of like looking out for, for me as like someone who was so wide eyed and bushy tailed and going like, whoa, music, like, yeah, this mm. person, this, yeah, like, let's write a song, woo, let's <laughs> sing, yeah. You know, they were the ones who were like, okay, calm down chill like let's do this right but Mm. let's have fun in the space and make sure that like we don't look back on it in five years and go like oh like we really had such a fun opportunity and we we kind of blew it by just like getting ahead of ourselves Mm. um and they they kind of are like my older brothers you know um they just they slap me on the wrist when i am stepping on a line and keep me in check and make sure that i take the right steps you know because we want to build the music industry in south africa too Mm. that's a goal you know and we can't do that if we're making like silly errors or not, not, not firstly having fun, but, but doing it in a way that is, that is responsible and, you know, is looking after ourselves for the future. You've taken a few risks and a few leaps of faith. Something that I saw that I thought was so cool. And it's something that I've thought about doing as well mm. is you reached out to, um, one Republic and I thought it was such a cool story. Can yeah. you, can you tell us how, you reached out to them, what, like the way you did it and what ended up happening. Yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, I weaseled my way into opening for Republic at the end of last year. <laughs> <laughs> totally should not have been there. Um, but, but basically they announced their headline run in South Africa. It was two shows in Pretoria, one show in Cape Town. And they hadn't announced an opening act. And I know for international acts, they don't usually bring an opener with them. It's too expensive. That's also why international acts don't really come to South Africa. It's so expensive to come out to, to, to bring your whole tour, to bring everything out here. Bring everything down so here, yeah. The, the other thing that they're not going to bring is an opening act. So I saw that they announced the shows and um, I knew that they were going to get a South African opening act. Um, didn't know who, didn't know what, didn't know how it was going to happen, but I knew they were going to do it. So I sent a message to my manager, Seth, and I sent... And I said like, hey, dude, I don't know if you've seen One Republic have just announced, you know, shows in South Africa. I think we could stand a chance of like maybe weaseling our way into that if we like just 
play our cards right. And Seth's like a dreamer. He's like, yeah, like, let's do it. Cool, cool, cool. What can we do? Um, and and he kind of sends some messages around and, and try to get in touch with whoever he could to try and figure out what to do. And then I realized that the 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 best way of kind of getting in touch with them would be through social media. And if we can create a little bit of a stir up. And so I made like a first video, which was also promoting like a song that I was about to release, just going like, this is how I'd perform this live going like, hi, One Republic. Like, you don't know me, but I'm well. <laughs> You're and, about to. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I'd love to like mm. open for you guys. And then like, here's my song, kill all my feelings. And then I went on a headline run around, South Africa, I just did like five shows and um, playing when I was playing for Stellenbosch, um, my friend Abongwe, who like does a lot of my video footage for me was there and he was on stage and I was suddenly like, oh my gosh, this could be a great moment. So I got the whole crowd to scream like, let wool open for One Republic. Um, and that video went kind of nicely and Seth got in touch with the management team and, and sent it off to them. And... Um, and like two days later, I got a phone call from Seth going like, I don't know how you did it, <laughs> but I just got a call from One Republic's manager saying they'd love you to open for them, whatever, whatever. And I, 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 I you know, went to my mom straight away. And I was like, mom, guess what? She's like, what? Like, I'm opening for One Republic. And she was like, you cheeky little. <laughs> and I was, like, I was like, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. She's like, well done. Like, that's so cool. And, mm. and um, it was such a fun experience. It was so cool. They are so dialed, like. Those guys, they don't even do their own sound checks. Like they come in five minutes before they show, they put in their in-ears and they walk on Everything's stage, ready for sing them. and walk off and mm -hmm. get into a van and drive away. You know, everyone was like, did you meet them? And I was like, no. Like, these, so you didn't actually get no, to meet no, no, them? No, 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 no. Because no, I was no. looking through your Instagram to see if I could find some photos of you guys together. Yes. And I was like, I can't find any photos. No, sadly. I mean, we didn't meet and, and it's kind of understandable. They've just done like, they'd been doing a whole European leg of touring. Then they're coming out to South Africa to play some shows. They are so busy. Ryan's doing producing on the road. You know, the last thing they really want to do is meet a lanky ginger kid who's jumping around on stage before them. You know, like, like that's the last thing on their mind. They've already got so much going on, you know. So um, people were kind of shocked when I said I didn't meet them, but it just like, it, it just wasn't going to work, you know, shame. Um, but, uh, but it was a really fun little experience. Um, and, and I think like I learned a lot from that space because when do you get the chance to perform in front of like 8,000 people in a venue like that with sound systems like that with, you know, it was insane. It was so cool. And then like, I think like it was one of those like classics, which I found in like South African showbiz is you play, you play one show and it's like the coolest show you've ever played. And then like a day later, you're playing at like a hockey club to like 10 kids. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it suddenly puts everything into like perspective and it's such a stack. You have like such like so many like big contrasts and you just go like, oh, it's just another show. Like you're just having fun in the space and you're there to entertain and make sure that the people in front of you are having such a fun time. Um, it was like a classic. We did we did Rocking the Daisies at the end of last year. I was and just about to ask. I mean, I heard you were the youngest person to ever record. I mean, to ever perform at Rocking the Daisies. Is that true? Uh, I don't know. I'll take it. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but but... We, um, a lot of the articles said that. Oh, yeah, that's sick. That's really cool, man. <laughs> um, but it was that was a really fun show, and we we pulled a great crowd. We played like middle of the afternoon, so mm. we were quite worried about like whether people were going to come to us because like everyone just jaws at Beach Bar and has a fun time there, and then wants want, wants to watch the international act in the evening. And we pulled a really nice crowd, and um, there was all this oh like oh that's so awesome, well done, well done, well done. And then we went to play Joburg the next day, 
and we opened the stage and there was like two people in the crowd. Oh no. <laughs> so it was one of those like classics of like, never get your hopes up, like never get too excited mm. about anything because like you only as like in your head, you 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 just your your job is to entertain and have a fun show. Mm. Um and my job for One Republic was to make sure that the crowd was excited to watch One Republic. You know, that's your job as an opener. Um I feel like I'm speaking about a whole bunch of things. No, but, it's cool. But yeah. It, I'm it, enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me about your most successful songs? I think your most successful one is Miss Me When You're Gone. Mm. Is it Miss Me or Miss Me When You're Gone? Because uh, I see that When You're Gone is in brackets. Dude, you're the best. Thank <laughs> you. Thank you for saying When You're Gone. Um, I've, I just say Miss Me now, but mm. the song is Miss Me When You're Gone. The the When You're Gone is kind of like an afterthought. It's like that. It's, it, it's, it's easier for people to search it online. Because and they it's think easier. of the lyric, miss me when you're gone. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but, but to say it on radio or whatever, it's, it's easy to just say, this is miss me, you know. Mm-hmm. And people kind of know what you're talking about now, you know. Um, but for me, it was like the whole message behind the song was like, miss me, I'll miss me like when you're gone. And I think it's still a lyric that people mess up now. You know, I even messed it up. I played a show in Porch like two nights ago and I messed up the lyric. I was like, miss you when you're gone. I was like, William, <laughs> it's your song, you idiot. Like, how did you mess that one up? Um, mm. But I think, you know, Miss Me, I wrote in lockdown. Um, and it was... Um, yeah, what was the inspiration behind that? And who is it about? <laughs> big questions. Important questions. No, I, I won't say who it's about, but it was somebody who was really special to me. And um, I kind of met her at the beginning of my varsity career and um she i, I just like was I, I just became like a happier person and i was around her and it was fun good times like really really special individual and i have a lot of love for her and she's just like the best and then um covid hit and you know went back home and everyone was isolated and you know i kind of started thinking about you know, just like missing who I was around people around, you know, more, more, more specifically her, you know, like missing the person that I would become. And it was kind of a song that was born around that way of thinking. And, um, and I just wanted to write something for me and to try and process some of the things that I was feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. um, feeling really isolated in a really bad headspace and just wanted to write and pen some stuff down to, you know, help me process some of my own thoughts and feelings. And that was that song that then got, got born. And I kind of, I wrote three different verses, sent it to David and said like, okay, which verse do you like most? And he was like, version three. I like version three. I was like, okay, cool. The pre never changed. From the, the, the pre that's in the song is the very first pre that I ever wrote, which is really cool. Um, and then the chorus sucked. <laughs> I, 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 I wish I could actually find it. Can you tell me what it was? It was, it was like... Um, it was like, uh, and all I think about are, and it was like, all the roses that I gave you, <laughs> everyone is like, oh, I fell for you. And David, I remember David just responding to me. That going, sounds pretty good though, not gonna lie. Mm, no, <laughs> he, he, he listened to it, he was like, he was like I, th- I think we could beat the chorus. You know, he was really sweet in all his, like, in mm-hmm. his responses and his, his critiques. He was like, I think we can beat the chorus. So I, I posted it on TikTok with the version three, verse one, and the pre, and I didn't have a chorus. And that video did really well. So then David and I got into the studio. We wrote, we got a melody for the chorus. And then I went back home and wrote all the lyrics for that. And then I wrote a verse two that evening. And we had a song or like a written song by the end of like a week. And then, and then the production of the song took so long. Cause we then, I then got signed 
to a record BMG. label called BMG. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really nice, nice deal. It was really positive. It was really exciting. Um, and and it kind of was like one of those that was too good to be true. It was like, cool, like, let's do this because it could really help like get things off the ground and, and, and get things moving. It really took a long time. Um, and then we released it and it kind of went a little bit berserk and, and you know, it is what it is today. And um, it's still kind of growing and which is really cool. Mm. You know, a life of a song, it never dies. It never dies, well, dude. Well, I mean, some of the most replayed music Dude, the Fleetwood t- Mac song on today's radio <laughs> is from, I mean, 80s, 90s, 60s, it's ridiculous. 50s. It's uh, like the, what was the one from Stranger Things? Yeah. Um, I can't remember it, but oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I don't know this. <laughs> <laughs> but um, my dad was telling me about it and the, the song that went super viral because of that episode of Stranger mm-hmm. Things, um, he was like, back in the day, it wasn't even a it number one. It wasn't even big. It wasn't even a number one. Mm. I mean, it was a big song, I yeah. think, but it wasn't massive. Yes. Yeah. And today it's massive. Huge. It's amazing how these things can kind of just pop out, out of nowhere. Things and never I mean, die. who knows, in 20 years, maybe someone will pick up uh, your, your song for like a movie or something and it'll have like Please. another <laughs> another run, you know? Yeah. No, it, it's ridiculous. I mean, the song just started doing really nicely mm. in France. And so we went and did some promo there and we were just like showing up to radio stations and playing the song for people and, and chatting. And um we thought that the song had kind of like had its moment and was falling down and then suddenly started taking off again. Boosting again, You know, yeah. so it, 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 a cycle of a song, you can never predict what's going to happen. Mm. And you just got to let things just tick away slowly but surely and be ready to like pounce when you can. And where are your biggest audiences? Like where where did they, where are they from? I'm sure South Africa is a pretty big portion of it. Yeah, so that, well... And then Europe is probably pretty big as well, hey? Uh, when it comes to streaming, I mean, we can actually take a look at it now. Oh, I would but, love to. But when it comes to streaming, South Africa is really low. Um, but when it comes to live shows, South Africa is the biggest, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but, you know, it kind of it varies with different songs, obviously. So with Miss Me, if we... So this is, this is a thing called Spotify for Artists. So this is Last Call. Um, so... It shows you like how many streams you got in the day. So yesterday we got 53,000. And not bad. The you know, <laughs> top countries is the States, UK, Germany, Australia, and then South Africa's at fifth. Wow, that's you know, so And that's for last yeah. call. Whereas with Miss Me When You're Gone is France, Germany, United States, United Kingdom, South Africa. So streaming wise, it's kind of a little bit all over the show. Mm-hmm. But streams... It's, it's it's hard to convert streaming into like a live show audience, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that's been one of the biggest challenges. And and I'm slowly starting to like venture out and try and play a couple shows. And like, I played I played a show in London like a, a month ago and that was really scary. Cause I was like, I don't know if people are gonna come, what's gonna look like. We did one in Paris and, and, um, and there were some people there and we were like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, you know? Um, and we're slowly getting into the space of trying to go like, hey guys, you you know this song that you've maybe heard or maybe you don't care about it at all, but like, I'm the guy who sings that. Now we're doing a show, so come and watch it, mm-hmm. you know? Whereas in South Africa, we've kind of now built it up to a space of like, you know, we we hopefully feel that like when we announce a show, people will maybe come because they know me or know the song, 
a lot of people don't know me and don't know the songs and I still play shows in South Africa and people are like, you should always encourage uh, people this? to bring friends, yeah. especially in like the European countries or like in America, yes. somewhere where you're known, but not necessarily known enough to fill up like a yeah. massive stadium. No, no, hundred <laughs> percent. Or a and massive I'm, venue. Yeah. I'm still not there even in South Africa, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's all a building process, but um, it's been really interesting looking at audiences and looking at like, you know, where can you build? And the UK is like, the number one place to go and build mm-hmm. now because there's so many South Africans who actually go there, you know? So in my show that I did in London, about 80% of the crowd was South African, which was wild. It was insane. There's a lot of South Africans there. Same with Australia. With Australia well, Australia is just really expensive to go there, mm-hmm. you know? But um, I Far think away, like, yeah. yeah, I think, I think the, the biggest streaming audiences is, is it, it, it's, it's the U S and the UK and like Germany you know, but then the biggest live show audiences are South Africa. The one thing that I've been really interested in is I know on YouTube, depending on where you live and Mm. depending on who watches your videos Mm. um, and also the content of the videos, depending on how much you get paid, right? By streamers and uh, per per thousand views. So that's how it works on YouTube is you get paid per like thousand views. I'm sure you know, because you've had a few successful videos on YouTube. I don't don't know. (laughs) Is your YouTube not monetized? I don't know. You don't know? I'm not too sure. (laughs) It's probably check. Yeah, so you're probably not the right person to ask that. (laughs) But I've I've always been curious, like when a song Mm. goes really viral or gets like a a few million streams on Mm. Spotify, right? Mm. Um, Financially, what does that look like? How much does Spotify pay per like thousand views or per million views? Mm. I think it's, it's something that like is a really... Yeah, interesting conversation. Um, Spotify pays you 0.001 cents per stream. It's like next to nothing. Yeah. So for for me, it's okay. And it's, it's okay. For songwriters who are part of the song mm. that they have written um, with you. And, and like, so, so take Last Call, for example. I wrote that with David Bubele and a woman by the name of Teddy Gaga. Mm. Awesome. She's incredible. And um, so it's four of us on the record and we're splitting royalties 25%. Um, on the streaming side of things, they as songwriters get really screwed over. You know, they they, they don't get paid nearly What's enough. What's like the writer's strike now happening in... in, in well, know, that's with, with film LA, and yeah. with... with the, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's kind of the TV. same thing where they just get screwed over, you know, and you get yeah. paid so little yeah. in comparison to the value they create. Exactly. And the thing is, is like producers get paid a production fee. So for you to put out the song, you pay the producers a production fee and say, thank you for producing the song. Songwriters are just linked with the royalties. They don't get paid a songwriter's fee or something like that. You know, they, they purely like reliant on the song doing like insanely well mm. or going to radio. You make your most money through radio streams and um, every time a, a song spun on the radio, it, it, it generates re- revenue. But on streaming platforms, it, 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 it's really difficult for songwriters to, to, to make good money in that space. And it's a really whack way of working. System. And the streaming world is just really, really a, a difficult space. Um, but for, for you as an artist, if, if you, so I'm not independent, I'm signed to a label. I'm, I've, uh, and the way that record deals work is they pay you an upfront advance. So they go, we want to license your rights or we want to own your rights or whatever it is. We want to, yeah, own your songs for maybe a period of time. Um, for the first option of this record contract, um, 
which is predominantly, it's, it's usually like an album. It's an album cycle is the first option. They'll say, we're going to pay you this. And this is going to be like for in pocket. This is to, this is for you to live for the next two years and t- until the album cycle is done. And then maybe we'll pick up the second option. Mm. Um, here's a recording budget. Here's a marketing budget. Here's a, a PR budget, whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's how you kind of are compensated for that. And then you would then split your royalties. And in, um, you know, back in the day, royalty splits would be like 80% to the record label, 20% to the artist. And then from that 20%, the artist is splitting with, with management, everyone else. financial manager. Yeah, I don't know how they got away you know, with that. It's, it's hectic. so brutal. But back in the day, um, it kind of was understandable. Because, it was the only way you could get your stuff out there. Yeah, but also it was like uh, record labels were picking up costs of, of hiring out a studio, um, paying day, day rates, paying paying uh, uh, musicians that are coming in and playing on the song, uh, you know, t- f- helping you with, with basically everything that comes into recording a song. Mm-hmm. Now I can sit in my bedroom and record a song. You know, not that I do because I'm not that talented. I but I mean, with... you, you see people like Billie Eilish and yeah. Phineas yeah. who recorded the probably the biggest album of... In their bedroom. Two years ago or whatever, yeah. in their bedroom. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with like blankets and mattresses on the walls, you know. Yeah. Um, Insane. Unbelievable. You know, and so that's how the space has changed. And and record companies are making a change in in, in you know, offering different deals than what they used to offer you know something that maybe is like a little bit more com- like like fair to the artist or whatever in going like okay we recognize the space that we are in the music industry and times are changing and this is what we want to do this is how we want to work that deal so you know monetization on a streaming side is is quite difficult um uh, but as an artist you you make a, a, a more of your money in live show spaces mm-hmm. and um you know through radio play and things like that, you know. How much does radio play actually pay? Because uh, I, I also wondered that because I remember the Kiffness. Um, yes. Kiffness, didn't he sue um, the people that handle the funds for radio? I'm not actually too sure. I, I think he won like a quarter of a million rand or something. Oh, wow. Because they they weren't, I forgot the, the people that handled the money, yeah. but they weren't paying artists what they should have been paying. Uh, for the amount of times that their music was played on the radio. Yes, yeah. I uh, there's a there's a really interesting website that David showed me, um, which is called like uh, it's like radio, Monitor Radio SA or something like that. Um, and basically, it was this like group of people who made a website that basically could help you keep track of what your songs have made f- through radio play, and it like monitors. Um, it monitors like how many times it was played on KFM or Jacaranda mm. or 5FM and then says like, okay, KFM pl- pays you this much per stream. So your song's been streamed this um, like many times over the month. This is what your song is made over the month type thing. Um, and the big thing with radio is you kind of get paid every six months. It's like kind of works in a cycle. Like a big but lump sum, yeah. Yeah, but you sign up with with a, a Sampra or Samro, a, a Southern African music rights organization or Southern Africa Music Publishing Organization. I can't remember what Sampra's acronym is, what it stands for. <laughs> but, you know, you kind of, you, you, you earn your money through, mm. through companies like that that pay you out. And yeah, you, you can sign up to corporations that their job is to go out and collect the money that you have made through radio play or through someone covering your song or, you know, playing it somewhere, you know. Mm. So 
they are they are companies like um, ASCAP and BMI that that run out of the states and they collect for the world basically and then but a lot of you know South African artists will sign up with Sampro and Samro or whatever to collect for them uh, like uh, nationally and you know southern, from like Southern Africa you know um, that's kind of the biggest thing but um, radio pl- pays you per per spin. Um, and the amount of time that the times that it's played on radio and how long it's played on radio, whether they cut the song halfway through because the radio presenter needs to say something. You know what I mean? It's mm. it all it's all monitored. It's crazy and, how and they track out. that. Say. It's ridiculous. It's insane. And what other I mean, these days I think a lot of people get good viewership, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they have a hard time converting that into a sustainable living. Yes. You know, what other like revenue sources have you thought of kind of going down? If you have thought of any other ones, yeah, I think I think the the biggest thing is is just like I'm really new to the space, mm. and so before I start thinking of like other ways to make money or whatever, my biggest my 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 biggest mission as an artist, as like an individual, as a South African, is to you know create experiences for fans and for the for the family that we're creating. You know, the the last thing on my mind right right now is like, how much money can I make? Mm-hmm. You know, th- that can that that can come if it ever comes you know but but the biggest thing is like how do i make fun awesome experiences for fans you know um i guess i i guess the biggest thing is just your touring and live shows mm-hmm. um but that e- even in like in and of itself is you you don't you don't you're not earning a lot of money until you're playing like 5000 yeah. cap rooms you know and and as a south african artist Going and touring in Europe is so expensive. You know, you you sit on the fattest loss if you go and play like small rooms in Europe. But but for me, it's not about that right now. You know, it's about you Holding. know there are people who mm-hmm. want to hear a Will Lindley song live. That is incredible. That is like I'm so lucky to 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 be in this position to be able to like try and go like okay, how do we pull resources together to go and just like even if it's if, even if we're just playing like three shows in Europe. How can we like play the most like central countries that like people could maybe drive or figure out a way to get there? Or, you know, that's the important thing. I'm put on this earth to write songs and to, you know, create a really fun environment for people to, to, to escape what they're going through in their, in their lives for an hour or an hour and a half or however long a show ends up being. Mm. Right now it's kind of like 50 minutes because I don't have enough songs out. <laughs> but it'll get there one, t- yeah. one day. But, you know, that's my job. That's my goal. That's, that's, that's who I am as an individual, you know. So I guess when it comes to like revenue and things like that, I tr- that can come I, later, yeah. It, that comes later. I'm in the early stages of building a business and, and building my, my space mm. and... Your community. And and revenue can come a little bit later. Yeah. But right now my focus is on fans and building a fun community of people, you know. For me, that's like the dream, you know, mm. is to have like a community that is loving and supportive and creative and mm. wants to do cool things and uh, wants to build each other up, you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and I can see you, you're really on your way to doing that. And I get such a great energy. I, I saw in another interview, someone said, you said you give off Labrador vibes. <laughs> but you, you, you do, but in like the best way possible. I feel like that's the best dog you can like describe yourself Boom, as. Baby, you know? Come on. Uh, but I mean, I do want to talk about your audience just a little bit before we end mm. off. Mm. Um, you said that like there, there's been a few moments where 
some really cool interactions have happened between fans or between you and fans. Mm. Um, have you ever had any really like special moments or conversations with a fan? Yeah, yeah. I mean, geez, what to pick? I think you know the 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 the, the big one that struck me was I. I get a lot of stories about Miss Me. Um, you know, there there was there was this this woman who lost her husband and Miss Me then came out and and for her it, it was about yeah, losing her husband and and missing the person that she was when she was around her husband. And that is just like such a sobering and humbling mm. comment to get and and it just started this conversation of, you know, you you never know how a song of yours or a show of yours or anything like that can impact somebody. And I think like that that is is kind of the first thing that I ever say to any artist that are like scared to put stuff out is you like try and make it the most selfless thing ever because it's very easy to be very selfish about your music. And go, mm. Like this song is for me, like my song you never know the impact that a song that you can that you put out can have on the people around you. You know, that was a big realization from that conversation that I had with this incredible woman. Um, it was it was just, a, a, yeah, a very sobering and, and humbling thing. Um, on, a, on a different note, I, I just have also just seen like a sense of fun created at live shows, you know, um, I have these the these three awesome 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 girls from um, from Hamburg in Germany, and they've just been like really really supportive and have kind of been there since like the beginning. What fans? Fans, yeah, um, and have just they they create such a sense of fun when they come to a show. I think they they've been to they've been to three shows now, um, and every show they like bring something different to it. So the London show, they like bought goggles and they like did a synchronized <laughs> swimming scene in front while I was performing one of the songs. And they were like doing all these like things like just in front of the stage. And it, it just, it's really fun seeing how people approach live shows and mm. approach wanting to be a part of the community. And that's really exciting. Um, I just think like, you know, I've got some of the coolest fans ever. And I, 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 I constantly am just met with like the, the the coolest stories and humbled by the coolest stories and um you know some someone came and 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 had a first date at my london show and then i started posting about gracie going like i wonder who i'm like gonna marry one day whatever and then one of them commented like i think i found my gracie like that was the sweetest thing ever i was like mm. oh my gosh i think i'm about to cry like this is incredible you know and 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 being able to like share little life moments with people is is such a sobering and, mm. and incredible experience Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming down today. Dude, thank you for it's having me. Absolute pleasure. I don't think I've smiled this much during an interview in a long time. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed it. I hope yeah, it was I fun. Yeah, I did. You give up such a good energy. I can see why people really enjoy your shows and, you know, enjoy following your journey on social media. Thanks, dude. I, I, I felt like I spoke a little bit too much today. No, but, it's okay. But <laughs> you're the best. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, really Where appreciate it. Where can people it. find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok and any social platform really, um, threads now, that's threads. a good one. I'm um, a threader. Yeah. Threadhead. Uh, I'm Will Lindley with two eyes um, at the end because I couldn't get my own 
I, there's some Will Lindley in America. I DM'd him like multiple times. Go like, hey man, mm. like we will pay you. Like I've tried to contact Josh, the, the the first Josh on Instagram. Freaking Josh, man. Impossible. Honestly, dude. But but uh, yeah. So I'm Will Lindley with two eyes. I think it's still two eyes. Maybe it's one eye. Maybe we managed to figure it out. But that's me. <laughs> amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming down. And uh, do you want to do something a little bit different to end the show here? We can do something a little do bit wanna, different. Do you want to sing us out? Oh gosh. Put on the spot. What do you want me to sing? What do I do? <laughs> Just sing uh, Miss Me When You're Gone. Just like the little chorus. When I found Josh, I found me. <laughs> Always gone through life in the backseat. If you walk out, I'll crash now. Yeah. Cause I've been thinking about it for too long. Lately, I've been thinking about it all wrong. All I'm gonna do is miss Josh when I'm gone. Oh, yeah. I'll miss me when you're gone. Amazing. I messed up the words. Classic. <laughs> that Classic. was beautiful. And oh, thank you, you all for watching. I hope you enjoyed this episode <laughs> of the Wide Awake Podcast. And I'll see you all very soon. Cheers. <laughs>